the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This on-demand presentation from Talk910.com. This is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific Time on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area. Your money, your life. This is Rob Black. Your money or your life. No, no, it's your money and your life. I heard that liner a little bit incorrectly. Cake or death? I'll choose cake, please. Your money or your life? I'll choose. I'll take the money because you're going to need it for retirement. More stimulating talk, 910 AM. You can find me online at talk910.com, talk910.com. If you have any things you want me to talk about, you can call the show, 800-345-5639, 800-345-5639. If you're too much of a coward to call the show, you can jump on the live blog at talk910.com, punch the big raw black head, and boom, inside you go into what's kind of like a glorified instant messaging thing. We'll talk a little bit about instant messaging later in the show because I am actually intrigued about some of the news that's going on around the world of technology tied towards cell phones and radiation. But more importantly, what's on the show for today, you might be asking. I got a good show planned out, I believe. It's not the greatest show of all time, but good. How's this for tease? China versus the United States, and not in a good way. Maybe a trade war looks to be looming, and that's got people over on Wall Street a little bit on the freaky-deaky outside. So, that's the big story today. China strikes back on trade issues. Ultimately, what was happening here, and this is in a nutshell, and I'll get into more color on it in a second, they're throwing tires at the United States in the United States tire market at below market costs. And we say, stop it. We want our tire companies to have competitive advantages that are fair, not unfair, uh, as far as marketplace to work inside of. So they struck back. We threw a 35% tariff on Chinese tires They struck back, and I'll get into the whole details a little bit later. But the market opened up much lower on that news. Now, as the announcer mentioned during the news break, President Barack Obama is going to Wall Street today to talk a little bit about changes on the anniversary of Lehman Brothers imploding. It's not one of those dates that's going to live in your head. I knew exactly where I was the day Lehman Brothers imploded. It's not like... You knew where you were when Obama got inaugurated or when Kennedy got assassinated or when the man landed on the moon. But it's a pretty big day in the world of finance. There's no doubt about it. Other stories that I'm going to hit on today, Europe's economy. I'm going to talk a little bit about steel prices. I'm going to talk electric utilities. Are they good investments or are they bad investments? GE makes a big, big contract with uh, Kuwaiti Power. $2.6 billion. Why do I even bring that up? There's not very many companies in this world that can pull off deals for $2.6 billion and deliver on said promises. There's a couple. There's companies like GE. There's companies like Siemens. And they're the two largest system integrators that come to mind. 
system integrators, i.e., can do huge contracts and huge deals end-to-end service, so to speak. Three more banks failed over the weekend, one of them in Indiana. Indiana has obviously been pretty hard hit. I'll touch on that news today. Um, in Tech Talk, I'll talk a little Microsoft, maybe Sprint being acquired. I'll tell you the difference between competitive local exchange carriers and content delivery networks, which is the better investment. Japan's making a bold initiative on music piracy. I got a little bit on time to sell gold or not in California, our legislature, and what they're passing as far as laws and how you could invest in the solar industry on this. So I got plenty of content. If we get to it, we'll do the raffle in the Marin Dreamhouse. This is one of those areas where charities are starting to become very, very creative on how they raise money. Obviously, in recessions, you better become very, very creative on how you raise money. But this one is one that I don't think you want to actually enter the raffle. I'll tell you about that and why. Plus, Morgan Stanley's making a call in the housing market today saying, basically, not good things coming down the road. Now, as I want to do when I get freebies, I want to give them to you, pass them on to you. There's an event, a movie. Bruce Willis movie. Remember when Bruce Willis meant summertime blockbuster like Die Hard? Eh, actually, that wasn't a summertime movie, was it? It was a fall movie. It was a Christmas movie. Neither here nor there. But Bruce Willis, Summertime Surrogates is coming out September 24th. I've got free screening. Now, here's the kicker. It's in Santa Clara. So the screening is coming up on September 24th, 7 o'clock. If anyone wants two free passes for the uh, Mission College Boulevard AMC Mercado 20, uh, in Santa Clara, I've got two free tickets for a 7 o'clock showing. Bruce Willis, Surrogates. It's one of those freaky science fiction films. Um, How Real is Real? It's one of those kind of things where people are machines or machines are people or something along those lines. Anyway, um, anyone who wants them, pick up the phone, give a call, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Absolutely free. Obviously, you're going to want to live in that Santa Clara area, and obviously, you're going to have to pick up the tickets in the San Francisco live at this uh, this station. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Now, President Barack Obama is going to Wall Street, and we're going to see this tonight in the media, in the news. When I do the 4 o'clock news, I'm sure there's going to be some some video footage, B-roll of him uh, chit-chatting. He's going to have lunch afterwards with uh, former President uh, Bill Clinton. But President Barack Obama going to Wall Street, first anniversary of the Lehman Brothers collapse, outlining financial changes so that we can avert a global economic tailspin crisis again. He's called on Congress to pass a sweeping overall of how financial institutions behave, but has seen slower than sought action. President Barack Obama is going to use the Lehman Brothers as a starting point to again decry a hands-off approach from Washington that's enabled irresponsible lending. That sent the nation's largest financial institutions to the brink of collapse and the larger economy to the edge, so to speak. Again, it's a problem that the financial institutions, they benefited from the rules that Congress put in place. It's, it's almost like, let's make enemies out of these people, but we sold them the bullets to do it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little frustrating. The president's going to focus on, quote, the need to take the next series of steps in financial regulatory reform. People like me tend not to like regulatory reform in large part. It, just, it gets circumvented, but it also ties people's hands um, from capitalism, from letting the, you know, the best situation play out. Now, his speech comes as banks that received tens of billions of taxpayers' dollars last year to stay afloat are again betting on the same bonds, mortgage-backed securities, commodities, and exotic financial products that landed them in trouble. Get this, five of the biggest banks, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, and Bank of America, they recently posted second quarter profits of about $13 billion when you comprise it all together. That's more than double what they made in the second quarter of 2008. Again, we're in the second quarter of 2009. 
nearly two-thirds as much as the $20 billion that they earned in the second quarter of 2007 when we're, you know, our economy was still considered quite strong. Now, the failure of Lehman Brothers, the biggest bankruptcy in U.S. history, biggest bankruptcy corporate U.S. history, panicky sales of Bear Stearns right after it to J.P. Morgan and Merrill Lynch to Bank of America that transformed Wall Street, fewer competitors. And this is something that you as an investor can advantage, can, you know, gain from. Three years ago, there were seven big players. Now there's five. Three years ago, there was eight big players. Now there's five. So get this, the big banks, the three biggest banks in the United States, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America, they hold roughly $2.3 trillion of deposits. That's about three out of every $10 in the United States that are in banks are at Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan. So if you were to play Monopoly, 30% of the spaces you're going to land on are these guys. So that's stunning. Three years ago, these three institutions owned about 20% of all deposits because things have changed going forward they're going to be a lot stronger now president barack obama is going to try to do what he can to make sure that they can't over leverage these deposits but i assure you you as an investor want to own jp morgan you want to own goldman sachs you want to own wells fargo and you want to own bank of america because the competitive landscapes change. Those that have died, the roadkill, so to speak, the Lehman Brothers and the Bear Stearns, they're gone. Players are gone. Never to come back. The competitive advantage of those who are left standing, Darwinian as it may sound, they're dominant. 30% of all deposits are in three banks, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America. Now, are you going to make money this year? Probably not. Who cares? It's all about the future. That's what investing is all about. It's all about the future. The Wall Street Journal is uh, changing topics. Changing topics ever so quickly for you. The Wall Street Journal is reporting this morning that China has said they're going to restrict U.S. imports of chicken and auto products. So your chicken investments are at risk. Now, auto products as well. This is a slap This is a punitive sanctions reply to the Chinese tire imports. This is raising tensions in a trade dispute. This is not what the world wants right now. We want China to act like very good capitalists. We want China to act as very good economic partners. We don't want them dropping their tires in in the United States at below cost. Now, it's said that they've received complaints, the United States government, from local producers that products were being dumped in China at below market prices. So China's coming back and saying, look, you're, you're, you're dropping chickens in our market at below market prices. So we are dropping tires at below market. All's good that it's not that. We need to stop this silliness. So the World Trade Organizations ultimately get involved. Now, one of the biggest news items is, you know, how far does this go? If this turns into a, they really get pissed off at us and they start selling U.S. debt, we're screwed. World War III could be played out by China releasing the debt that they have of the U.S. dollar. It would crush our economy. We'd have to borrow at much higher costs. It's World War III. That's seriously, you know how you talk about war without frontiers and the next world war is going to be nuclear? No, no. It could be dumping of debt is how you could financially ruin somebody. That's pretty cool, huh? Now, the United Steelworkers have brought the case. Um, tied towards this, the the two big players in America who are benefiting today, Goodyear Tire and Rubber, ticker symbol GT, up 5%. 
Now, Cooper Tire and uh, Rubber up 10% because investors are saying, whoa, our government's going to protect us. Now, on the other side of it, Tyson, they obviously make big amounts of chicken, down 2.9%. Sanderson Farms down 2.2%. Those are the big plays. And again, I'm just throwing this out there as a story. It's not DEFCON 5, but I'd say it's DEFCON 1 or 2. Uh, we're, we're starting to build. We're starting to get a little bit of tension, and Wall Street doesn't like that because economically speaking, we need China, and economically speaking, China needs the United States. So the two big boys need to calm down, relax, and think about things before they take this any further. Now, again, if you want free movie tickets, just pick up the phone and give me a call, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's for the showing of Bruce Willis's surrogates. It's at Santa Clara. It's Thursday, September 24th at 7 o'clock. Anyone who calls, I'll give you two free sets of tickets. And um, it's nice. You know, it's it's an advanced screening. It's free. It's going to save you 20 bucks. Now, again, maybe you bring your own popcorn or maybe you support the economy by buying popcorn. But you get the idea. And you'll be able to see it before anyone else does. Two free tickets, 800-345-5639. You're listening to 9, 10 a.m. It's the Rob Black Show. More stimulating talk. I'm John Cobell. I'm Ken Shampo. We're the John and Ken Show. Join us weekdays from 3 to 7. Now... Rob Black on 9:10 a.m. More stimulating talk. It's Rob Black show. I'm Rob Black. Talk and all things financial. I think I've got a pretty good show planned for you today. Let's see what I can pull out of my hat, so to speak, on a regular basis. I got some emails that I'm going to get to a little bit later. But first, let's go back to hmm, world news. I kind of want to play a little bit more in the stock market. I'm supposed to get a little bit more personal, but sometimes my life is all about money, and Monday seems to have a lot of the headline news. So the European Union's coming out today. And they said that their economy shrank by 4% in 2009. Now, the headline figure remains identical to what they've already said before. And they're referring to the economic performance as volatile and subpar. Now, the quote coming out of the European Union today is, The situation's improved, mainly due to the unprecedented amounts of money pumped into the economy by central banks and public authorities. But the weak, broader economy is going to continue to take its toll on jobs and public finances. Despite a slew of positive data... They're basically saying a certain recovery in the coming quarters is going to happen. But the lagging effects of the grim recession have already been seen in the unemployment burst through the 15 million barrier in the European countries. A watershed last seen in 1999. So unemployment's rampant in the United States. Unemployment's rampant in Europe. And they basically, you know, they hinted that this is problematic and it's going to we're looking at economic numbers today that are bad. They're awful. And they are a long, long way from where they were at 3 to 4% growth rates. So if you were to look at a chart, it would look literally like economic activity fell off the cliff. Um, let me give you an example. And non-defense capital orders. 
you know, it was growing about 15% in 94, 97, 2000. Then there was an economic recession in 2000. It fell off the cliff. And then it recovered up 15% in, three, in 03, 04, 05, 06. And then it fell off the cliff again. Consumer credit year over year. It, too, has fallen off a cliff. Private construction, looking at the chart, falling off a cliff. Business inventories, falling off a cliff. Uh, light vehicle sales, falling off a cliff, minus the recent cash for clunkers. Consumer confidence, falling off a cliff. And just to give you an idea, even though it's stabilized, you're still talking about, in all of these cases, months and years from the economic readings of ninety of, of 2006, Months and years to get back there, unless it spikes up. Again, the falling off the cliff would obviously need a spiking up to equal out on the chart. So unemployment claims, uh, unemployment rate, personal income. All these charts, if you were to look at the pictures, you'd go, holy mackerel, it's pretty rough out there. And it is. And again, I bring up the European situation to show you that Europe has a problem. The United States has a problem. Not so much in Asia. So in my 401k... In the last couple of years, I've shifted more money into Asia. What's that mean? Your 401k has options. It's got like an S&P 500 fund. It's probably got an, a capital appreciation fund. But it also probably has an international fund. And I want you to pay attention to that. I don't want you to ignore that. The international funds are fine. They're appropriate. You look in the United States and you go, we're number one. Well, charts tell us otherwise right now. So I want you to get some exposure into Asia. I don't want it to be your only exposure. So let's say you're young and sexy, 25-year-old. You got time to write out the volatility that is Asia. Let's say you're 60 years old. You may not have time to write out the volatility that is Asia. So it's going to really depend on where you're coming from for your time horizon. I feel comfortable with volatility. I like volatility. I'm totally good on volatility. There's one story out there today on California, California, California state legislature. It passed the Senate bill 32 SB 32. What's this mean? How can I make money off California? It's basically a, a feed in tariff proposal. Governor is going to probably sign the bill into law. The adoption of the FIT, the feed in tariff. It's going to make a positive for distributed solar generation. Likely. Favoring one company. Want to know who that company is? That company is Solar Power. Ticker symbol SPWRA. SPWRA. So they're going to be a player here. SB32, this bill, it delegates the FIT pricing mechanism. Again, the feed-in tariff pricing mechanism to the California Public Utilities Commission's. Guidance is that it should include factors such as all current and anticipated environmental compliance costs. Now, their conversions would be beneficial to solar power, ticker symbol SPWRA. Conversations right now suggest that a price between 18 cents and 26 per kilowatt hour is likely. If the bill is signed into law, the bureaucratic process could implement the uh, feed-in tariff by mid-2010. Now, here's how Wall Street works. Wall Street is a discounting mechanism. It looks into the future. It's kind of weird, right? It looks into the future. But what that basically means is right now, if you look at the stocks, stocks have been moving up in the last six months. It's saying in six months from now, we expect economic activity to be a little bit higher than it currently is from that recession, depression conversation that we we're having just you know in January, February, and March of this year. So 
Analysts believe that the passage of SB 32 in particular is positive for Sun Power Corporation, SPWRA, given the presence in the, the California market through its dealer network as well as its own system business that they got. Now, Sun Power modules will be the most effective modules given the real estate limitation. Now, competitors are pervasively bearish on uh, Sun Power. Analysts don't like the company. They expect the company to be one of the few solar stocks to work over the next couple of months based on SB32. So here's an example where what's coming out of Sacramento doesn't necessarily have to be nasty sex stories. It's coming out of Sacramento. It doesn't necessarily have to be, do we cut the budget? Do we kill Prop 13? It doesn't have to be anger. But because we're going to set in a system of tariffs where we're helping corporations install solar power for residential and commercial use, and we're giving huge subsidies in lieu of, there's a company that's likely to benefit. Now, am I telling you to go buy SunPower? No. I don't know you. I don't know your time horizon. But I'm thinking by, again, stock markets moved up recently, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. All on the thought that six months from now, it's October, November, December, January, February, March, that by next March, we should be coming out of our recession on a pretty strong uh, set of numbers, uh, that the numbers will be looking better by next, next March. So this California solar story is really a play in mid-2010. So don't look for sun power to be low in mid-2010. Look for it to make its move before that, maybe late 2009, maybe right about now. It's late 2009. We're in the final four months of the year. That's something to be thinking about. That's how Wall Street works. When we come back after the break, I'm going to be going over some emails with you. I've got more stories on the housing recovery. I got a little bit on the iPod touch later. You're listening 9, 10 a.m. During the commercial break, I will be at talk910.com, talk910.com, taking a look at your comments, maybe making a few suggestions, some few inputs as well. It's the Rob Black Show, more stimulating talk you're listening to rob black 9 10 a.m more stimulating talk Some of you are pulling for me to die during the commercial breaks, and they'd have to play music and replace me that way. But not going to happen. Not today. Uh, maybe soon, though. Um, Kesara Shiraz 
Speaking of a little French psycho killer, Cascasset, but Caseras, Shiraz. An Australian wine that once was considered a non collectible item is sold at a record price, surpassing the country's most acclaimed vintage as wine lovers target rare bottles from the last century. Okay, now I know nothing about wine. It should be noted that. To me, a $4 bottle tastes as good as a $400 bottle more often than not. So at an annual Penfolds wine auction this weekend, the Penfold 1957 Shiraz St. Henri was hammered off, i.e. auctioned off, at a stunning $6,991 a bottle. That's the highest ever paid for St. Henri. Bottles of 55, 59, and 71 a Saint-Henri also beat records for the same vintages. Now, the result's extraordinary, probably 10 times what they expected to bring in. Pinfold Grange was seen as a collectible wine, but not this collectible. Okay, what did we learn from this story? We learned that wine is an asset. Maybe. It's kind of a commodity, right? They're not making 1957 Shirazes anymore. Art is an asset. They're not making George O'Keefe shots anymore. Prints. Well, they're still making the prints, but they're not making the art anymore. What did we learn? And by the way, George O'Keefe's stunning. If those of you have not studied her work, you should... Come on, guys. It's the easiest date on the planet. Go see a George O'Keefe piece in, say, San Francisco. So... Greatest date on the planet. Just go take a look. She's a woman photographer. You'll be stunned when you see the insight into the work. Anyway, so assets. There's stocks. There's bonds. There's real estate. There's collectibles. There's baseball cards. There's bottles of wine. Those are collectibles. What I would say the average person who's 20 years old should do is buy stocks, make love this weekend, drink good wine, don't invest in wine yet because you're not smart enough to. And you don't need to yet. So you want to buy stocks in your 401k. When you get to your 30s, you say, maybe I should buy some real estate. I should diverse a little bit. I should get a little bit other than stocks in my portfolio. So you buy some real estate. You get a rental property or you buy a home. In your 40s, you go, I don't know, this stock market and this real estate thing, it's got some cycles in it that I don't much care for. So I want some bonds. Bonds are IOUs. Stocks are you own a piece of the company. Bonds are IOUs, where the company owes you money. And it helps diversify you. Now, at that point in time, let's say you're worth a million dollars. Then you need to start looking at some commodities. Because sometimes when the economy stinks up the joint, commodities start moving higher. It's a hedge. People look at gold as a hedge. And by the way, I'm going to tell you about gold a little bit later in the show. Time to sell gold. Wait. I've already told you that, so maybe you don't want to listen to later in the show. But yeah, you can buy Shiraz as an investment, as an asset. Now keep in mind, you have to store it. You have to insure it. Art, you have to store it. You have to insure it. You know why art's at museums when it says, like, private collection of Rob Black? Why is my art not at my house, but it's at a museum? Because you have to insure it. And when it's at a museum, the museum has to insure it. That's one of the largest reasons art goes touring around the world. So to keep the cost off the owner. I know. You didn't know. So K. Shiraz Shiraz on top of a little psycho killer. Now, again, is that brilliant radio? <laughs> Am I ever going to beat Rod Owens? Well, I hate Rod Owens. 
but you get the idea. So another asset that we've been talking about in this segment is real estate. Now, again, I don't look at real estate. I don't go, you get to use leverage and it's the greatest investment of all time. People who tell you that real estate's the greatest investment of all time, they're smoking crack. They're high school, educated. They never went to college. I can listen to the radio and find you 10 people like a Kiyosaki who will tell you real estate's great. Never went to college, but he'll tell you it's great because he wants to sell you seminars on how to buy real estate. He wants to sell you books on how to buy real estate. That's his shtick. He wants to use the leverage angle where you're too dumb to figure out that you could use leverage on stocks too if you want it to. So that's the whole shtick on real estate. And I like real estate as an asset over the longer term. I like to be very selective with it. Five years ago, I was buying real estate in mid-sized markets. I've done very, very, very well. I didn't have the big correction. Now, Morgan Joseph is a big analyst out there today saying the U.S. housing recovery, it's underway given significant improvements in new and existing home sales, and that housing starts appear to have bottomed in the month of April. This analyst group says that they believe government intervention, as opposed to market forces, largely responsible for the increased demand thus far. Now, should certain programs be removed too soon, they think that demand will disappear just as quickly as it returned. They note that renewing first-time home buyer stimulus may help avoid a relapse in demand. Right now, if you haven't bought a home in three years or owned a home in three years, you can go out and buy a home, and the government will give you $8,000. First and foremost, I think this is ridiculous. What about the renters out there? What about the people that say, I don't want to own a home right now because it's not that, that time in my life. So we're going to subsidize people to buy homes. I don't like subsidies. I don't like farmers paid not to grow corn. I think that's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. So, like, where's the subsidy for, like, if I want to do crack cocaine, where's the subsidy for the guy who doesn't have money for crack cocaine? Where's the subsidy for the guy who wants to join a health club so he can lower his health care cost? Let's subsidize everything, you know? It's not just, say, homeowners. Now, they note Fed intervention should work. They think that banks may continue fearful lending practices. They think housing starts on a single-family homes could continue to demonstrate improvements during August. So they see a housing recovery already on the way. But they caution the sustainability of a housing recovery. It's only very short term and as long as there's government stimulus out there. And to give you another idea on the same story, the CEO of Fannie Mae, which is a government-owned company, it's 80% government-owned, he says the U.S. housing market has a long road ahead to recovery and that borrowers should remain cautious that the economy regains its footing. He said, quote, anyone looking objectively at the economy and the housing market sees hope. The patient is out of intensive care, but still has a long road ahead of itself before he gets a clean bill of health. Now he's, he's big. He's powerful. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they make a majority of the loans in the United States. The mortgage market's still dependent on a government-affiliated programs. His. With private banks providing just 10% of loans. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac do about 70% of all loans. And the FHA does about 20%. So private banks, 10%. FHA, Freddie Mac, and Fannie Mae, the other 70%. So he goes on to say foreclosure is going to continue to climb, and that's going to continue to put pressure on home prices. He says property seizures have been you know, suspended at points in time, but now they're you know, back in full effect. And he says the inventory of foreclosed properties and unsold homes remains at exceptionally high levels. He says, quote, there's no precedent for what, there's no precedent for what borrowers are going through today. One in every 10 mortgage borrowers is behind. One in every 25 homes is in foreclosure. 
homeowners have lost 40% of their equity. Now, if you're down 40%, does that mean you go up 40% and you're even? New. New, new, new. You got to go up almost 80% sometimes. So like if you have a home for 100000 it goes down to sixty. You get sixty to hundred. that's 20 years of appreciation. And it's gone just like that. And that's historic appreciation. Again, you know, I said you accumulate stocks, bonds, and real estate. Historically, real estate grows at 4 to 5%. Bonds at 6%. Stocks at 10.2 plus dividends. Now, back to the CEO of Fannie Mae. He says one in every 10 mortgages is behind on payments. One in 25 is in foreclosure. People have lost 40%. Now, he says some borrowers, as a result, are ineligible for government programs to refinance at lower rates. More than 1 million delinquent loans are ineligible, ultimately because they've used proceeds from their house to go out and buy another house, or their limit is at 729000 And he said, quote, not every borrower is taking advantage of the program. So far, there's programs out there, right, that can help you lower your, your mortgage. Only 29% of the people who have received solicitation letters have reported and responded to them. So people might be able to refinance, but they're not because they don't trust that their bank is sending them a letter saying, you might qualify to refinance. Give us a call. Now, as a CEO, he's concerned that a second wave of resets for some adjustable interest rate mortgages, as well as rise delinquencies for loans on apartment buildings, he says there's challenges ahead. And, you know, certain properties are untouchable. Prices on homes financed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were up last quarter, but he doesn't expect that to hold. So, again, I gave you two pretty good stories on real estate and what you could expect in the near-term future. I think real estate is in the process of stabilizing through 2010. I don't think we'll see much growth, if any growth, until 2015. I think some markets still have some corrections that they haven't done. And I agree with Meredith Whitney, the banking analyst, that, you know, on general, we could have another 25% downside in real estate unless these government programs are sustained past this year. It's the Rob Black Show. Call in 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. I'm giving away some free tickets to a Bruce Willis movie, Surrogates. Anyone who calls, you can have them. You don't have to go on air. You don't have to bark like a dog. It's in Santa Clara. The, the screening September 24th. It's a couple days before it comes out in theaters. So Santa Clara, September 24th movie is Bruce Willis's surrogates. It's a sci-fi movie. It looks super, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Special effects driven. Special effects driven for sure. So you're listening to Talk 910. You can find me online at talk910.com, talk910.com. The station is 910 AM. I'm Rob Black. Ahead at noon, Glenn Beck. Now, Rob Black. 910 AM. More stimulating talk. It's tough to believe that this was considered alternative rock in our lifetime. Now it sounds like soft pop, doesn't it? This was cutting edge. This was almost too risky to play on radio. Then again, we're probably playing Neil Diamond at the time. Song sung blue. But again, I digress. Let's go through some odd stories in the news. Jay Leno. There's so much that doesn't make sense about Jay Leno that I couldn't possibly come up with a story about Jay Leno. He's got Jerry Seinfeld on his show tonight. He's got Jay-Z, Rihanna, and Kanye West. For the record, Kanye West is a jerk. Did you see him ruin 
ruined the MTV award for that young, beautiful woman who he ruined it. He ruined her moment to shine. I'll tell you the story in just a second. Kanye West basically uh, got up on stage at the MTV Music Awards. Uh, a woman won best video of the year. And she's, well, let me come up with her name. Give me just a second. For some reason, I'm totally dropping it. Taylor Swift. That's it. Taylor Swift. Okay. So Taylor Swift wins the MTV Music Award for Best Female Artist. And it's weird because she's a country singer and she's got a twang to her. And Kanye West comes up on stage and grabs the award from her and says, you know, this deserved to go to somebody else, Beyonce. And Kanye West is just a jerk, jerk, jerk. Class A moron. And uh, Taylor Swift is a pretty good looking woman. So what's stunning about the video, if you haven't watched the video, go to YouTube and watch the video. She honestly looks like she's going to cry. He embarrassed her. He crushed her. If MTV lets Kanye West back at the MTV Music Awards, shame on Viacom and MTV for doing that. Anyway, I totally digress. Um, Jay Leno on tonight. And um, this is what's wrong with America. Jay Leno is not funny. Jay Leno is not cutting edge. Jay Leno is milk toast. Jay Leno is put on the television for people over the age of 50. He doesn't take a lot of chances. Conan O'Brien takes chances. Whether you like Conan O'Brien or not, he takes chances. So Jay Leno's moving to 10 o'clock. Why are they doing this? Why is General Electric, who owns NBC Universal, putting it on at 10 o'clock? Because you're no longer watching TV. That's what it's come down to. They don't want to put a cop show on there and spend $3 million per episode to do it and have you not watch it. So instead, we're getting more late-night talk shows. Talk shows are pretty cheap, all things considered, uh, especially compared to you know paying actors. So actors should say, we're not going on your show because you're taking away jobs from us, Jay Leno. But nope, they'll go on because they need to promote whatever they need to promote at this current time. So other things that I want to get to, U.S. Marshals, they're selling Bernie Madoff's 4,000-square-foot Upper East Side flat. That's the one where authorities arrested him in his bathrobe. We should all get arrested in our bathrobes once in our life, I say. They also, where they found 100 checks worth $173 million that he was planning to send to relatives and friends before he got nabbed. Can you imagine spending 100 checks worth $173 million of money that you stole from people? This guy should have been killed. This guy shouldn't have been sent to white man's prison. He should have been sent to a place where, let's just say there's some people of color. Also on the block of his 8,700-square-foot Mexican-tiled estate in Palm Beach. That listing price, $8.5 million. He's done so. He bought some nice places. I'll give him that. He did it on other people's money. Seems like his average home was around 4,000-plus square feet um, and sold for roughly $8.5, $8.7 million. Okay, um, there are some people who've sent me some comments, and I love the comments. I do, I do. Uh, most importantly, from the blog cast, as I like to put, say, if you go to 910, you go to talk910.com, talk910.com, you can join in on the blog. And here's a couple of them. Um, what source can you trust to get advice on purchasing art? Dadaism is on an amazing growth curve right now, and I'd like to get in on that. And that comes from Carter. In a couple of weeks from now, I'm going to have an art expert on the show who can explain investing in art better than I can. I don't know. And the, the beauty about me is, unlike Gil Gross, when I don't know something, the big bloated Gil Gross, I won't act like I know something. I'll say, pass. I'll bring on an expert to talk about it. Barney from the blog says, oh boy, housing's starting to recover. Note to real estate agents, time to start fear-mongering machine again. Barney, I agree with you. I think real estate agents, for the most part, 
are hmm, scum of the earth. I think real estate agents, for the most part, are scum of the earth. There's some that aren't. Typically, here's the ones that I like. I like the ones that are in the business for 30 years. They've seen up markets. They've seen down markets. They've, they work in one market. They work in the San Carlos market or the Los Gatos market or the San Francisco market. They know that market. I don't like people who you know, get out of high school and say, what job can I get? Oh, I should get into real estate. Those are the ones that really scare the hell out of me. Because they're the ones who are the real estate cheerleaders. And what we're learning right now is real estate will make you go bankrupt if you do it incorrectly. But these guys were the cheerleaders, not just the mortgage lenders, not just Wall Street. But the real estate agents really hurt America. And the lack that we don't have qualifications for them, certifications, to get a real estate license, basically you have to have a pulse. You have to pass a test, but it's a test that they give you the answers to. Now they're... Post from the blog says 99%. Oh, here's the thing about why 99% of the stuff has max shelf life three to five years. So don't tell your listeners to go out and buy wine and store it in the, in the cooler, so to speak. There's wines that can be specially crafted to be an investment. But if you buy a 50 year old, if you buy a $50 bottle of wine and put it in the fridge for a couple of years, it's very likely to be awful. So be careful on thinking you're going to become an investor in wine. Next uh, blog post that came up, Asia. This came up from Bruce. Asia is the king of the future. Rob, shouldn't the old models of 10 to 15% international stocks be trashed? I may be over-invested in Asia, but I have more confidence in their future. What percentage international stocks should a Generation X or with a pubic pensions? Nope. He guessed he said public pensions, not pubic. Public pensions be putting into a Roth IRA. Good question. Um, Bruce, my opinion is the old model was 10 to 15%. I say the new model is 10 to 30 or 10 to 40%. Now, here's the kicker. I don't know you. Let's say you're worth a million dollars. Then all you need is 10%. Let's say you're 50 years old and you've got $100,000. Then you need more like 40% because you need to make up for some growth. Let's say you're 30 years old and happy-go-lucky and max out your 401k. You don't have a lot right now to show for it. Yeah, 30 to 40% makes sense for you. So it really depends on where you are in life and how you can take volatility. I tend to back off giving specifics on the show at times when it's specifics tied towards specific people. I could talk general topics pretty darn easy. Anyway, let's hit a couple more of these posts that are out there. I also have a web page. Um, I have a Facebook page. I have a Facebook page called I Hate Rob Black. It's kind of a... A fan club. It's kind of funny if you think about it, because all your friends will see that you hate Rob Black. Hey, it's advertising to me. So anyway, um, please come to the city for your beer night. So says Chad. You always have seminars in the East Bay and on the peninsula. Come to the chi- come to the city. Show some love. I promise you I will do a beer night in October and a beer night in December. In November, I'm going to go back home, see my little sister, do a little family reunion thing. But in October and December, I'll do a beer night in the city. Um, maybe one in the city and one on the peninsula. And that's absolutely positively informal. Station doesn't sponsor it. No tickets, nothing like that. I'm not buying your beer. But I'll come out and do happy hours at a, a pub near you. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. What I'll give you. A little bit of me. Mix with some heart. Like some vodka that I jumpstart my heart. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.